0: a good evening afternoon it might be morning to some of you this is the blended family guy bringing you some great content again have i have a treat do i have a treat for you on today i have john finch a noted author um, has created documentaries just released a book the father effect um out there you can get it on amazon it's on all those channels I'm just letting you know, we're going to have a treat and we're going to be talking about fathers on today. Before we go into that and I bring John on the show, just want to tell you a little bit about the blended family guy. If This is your first time being on or listening to the show. Thank you. Secondly, I want you to share it, all right, because I think it's going to add tremendous value to your friends, your followers, your family, your children. I think it's gonna add some great value so please share it and share it across all your social media channels just want you to know as well if you're not a big Facebook fan you can find this on YouTube just type in the blended family guy I'm on SoundCloud we're about to launch iTunes here shortly Instagram guys I'm telling you we, we, we are where you are at so don't worry you can find us secondly I have a private Facebook group called the strong blend Um, just type in strong blend on Facebook it'll come up go ahead and hit that join button and you'll get access to a lot of good content a lot of things before um, people have an opportunity um, to get it that just follow me you get on that private Facebook group you're gonna have some really good content coming your way as well nice and curated for the blended family now If you're thinking Marcus Holmes, the blended family guy is just about the blended family in the traditional sense, that is true. But I take it a couple of steps further. One, it's about family, work, life, career. How does that harmony work? How do you make that balance it out? You got a blended family, but you also have a career. And then how do you make all that work? So the blended family guy is not only about the the blend, blending families. Hey, I see Terea is joined. Taria, just wanna let you know, I like your profile pic, you look sharp. Taria Hodge, thank you for joining. That's one of my mainstays. Um, I want you to know, guys, it's gonna be a fantastic show. So Taria, you're in for a treat. You are in for a treat. What's going on, Taria? All right, so that being said, That being said, oh my goodness, it's going to be fantastic today. Um, What else, what else, what else do we talk about? So business advice, right? I'm gonna start bringing on some more of my friends and some of my mentors um, in the community, right? So right now, I'm just letting you know, John Finch, leader on fathership, fatherhood, what it means, the effect it has on our children, this is not a black and white, it's not a racial issue. This is an epidemic that he is trying to help resolve because a father is so important to a child's upbringing, to a child's success. And I'm just letting you know, it's better to have one than, than not. And we're gonna, t- we're gonna touch on that. So that being said, man, we got some good stuff. We have some good stuff, share this, okay? I want you to share this on your social media platforms. I can't say enough. This is going to be an amazing show, but if you can't make it tonight on the live, come back to the Facebook page, the Blended Family Guy, and you can look at it as often as you want on demand, or you can go to YouTube, or you can listen to this, the audio podcast on SoundCloud. Just type in the Blended Family Guy, you'll find us, we're out there. All right. That being said, okay, we got some more people joining. We got some more people joining. Oh, I see we have. Oh, well, you, well, Taria, no, thank you for joining. No thank you needed. Thank you for joining. We have. Oh, who do we have? We have Stephanie Daniels Carter. I'm a newbie. Well, Stephanie, thank you for joining the family. All right. We, we want you to comment. Stephanie, just know your comments. They're, they're viewed live. Ask John any question. Ask myself any question. We're going to try to get it answered on the call today. That's real-time coaching. That's real-time questions being answered just for you. So, Stephanie, come on. I'm glad you're here. Thank you, Stephanie. Share this, all right? It's going to be a great show. Taria, okay, I can't wait for tonight's broadcast either. We're about to bring on John. I'm trying to do those things that my my social media manager slash coach has been telling me to do because I want to bring on John right now. I want to dive in, but I have to do the administrative things or she's going to get mad at me. So I got to tell you, one, if you want, we have some new stuff. We have some new stuff that is coming out. All right. Hey, there's my dad. John, just letting you know, John, John is in the background, y'all. He can still hear me. My John, my dad, he lives in Grand Prairie, so he's right down the street from you. Okay, so next time we're up in uh, the DFW area, me, you, my dad, my brother, we gotta go. We gotta go to Whataburger, John. All right, we gotta go to Joe Whataburger. <laughs> okay, so uh, thanks for joining, Dad. Thanks for joining. Stephanie, Stephanie, good stuff. All right, the family is welcoming the family. The family is welcoming the family. Here's one thing I want you to know. I just came out with some really good content. It's called The Six Steps to a Successful Blended Family. Good stuff. You can download it by doing this right here. Hold on one second. Let me get out my agenda. Where's that agenda at so I can pull it out for you? Ah, there it is, there it is. All right, here we go. I'm gonna show this to you real quick. So family, remember, this is what you have to do. Text the word family to the number 2407477115 on your phone. If you text the word family, not the quotes around the word family, but if you text the word family on your mobile phone right now to the number 2407477115, you'll be able to automatically download a new piece of content we have called the 6 steps to a successful blended family. It's a workbook that you can go through. You can share that. If you don't wanna text it, you can go right here. Go to marcushomesgifts.com. You can immediately download that documentation and start working on what those priorities are for your your family. I I help you walk through that, the six steps. So again, share this, download it. Guys, fantastic show. John, I'm about to bring you on board. Some good stuff happening. Ah, uh, so, um, man, without further ado, without further ado, I'm gonna bring John on right now. All right, up and here we go, here we go. All right, now we got John. John, how are you doing, sir? I'm good,
1: brother. Thanks for having me.
0: Man, I'm so excited to have you. Just to let you guys know, I was chasing after John since uh, I think right around the November, December time frame, and with my busy schedule, not John's fault, my busy schedule with traveling and whatnot, we finally are here. All right. So I'm really, really super, super duper excited for John Finch because he's going to talk about one of the most important things in my life. First and foremost, I'm a son of God, son of Jesus Christ. Secondly, I'm a husband, but the third most, most important role for me is being a father, and that right there, it's it's generational, right? So it's so important, not just because of the kids that I have, but the kids that I'll be mentoring through this broadcast, the kids that I actually physically help mentor and we're with them in the trenches um, that I haven't even met. It is so critical to have fathers in your life. So. That being said, man, um, it's going to be a fantastic show. So, John, tell us a little bit about yourself, family, where you're from. Um, just just what's going on with you? Tell me, you know, married, how long, how many kids, where you live, if you don't mind telling the team.
1: Absolutely. I am actually up near Denton, Texas. Uh, we actually live in Aubrey, which is a little I don't know if you'd say a suburb of Denton but it's uh, it's just east of Denton. I actually grew up in Euless, right where the DFW airport is. went to <laughs> Trinity High School, and, and literally just just uh, since I was about three years old, was in that Herschel's Bedford area, oh, yeah. and uh, was very, very blessed to meet a Cajun girl, and uh, been married about 24 years, have three daughters, 18, 16, and 11, and, and, I, and I tell you what, man, I, I'm just one lucky dude. I, I've I've got a second chance to be the the dad, the husband and the and the man that God created me to be as a result of just just the journey that that God's had me on this last 8 years.
0: Sure. Sure. Um I'll tell you what. What drew you to your wife? What was it? Was it the Cajun cooking? What what was?
1: It? <laughs> you know, I think it was a little bit of everything. She's yeah. a amazing lady. Her smile uh just just man, it's, it's like nothing else. Uh, her smile and she can't cook. That helps. You should see me in person. I'm a big boy. <laughs> so, I used to be a skinny little rump, but man, since I've been married, whoo, it's, it's, uh, you know what I'm saying? It, it's bad. I, I, I like some food.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm right. I'm right there with you. And, and to that, my favorite food is Louisiana Cajun cooking. I, uh, when I used to cover that territory, I had gained quite a bit of weight, and so I love some good Louisiana cooking. So I'm right there with you, um, and this is going to be fantastic. So I want to get right into it. Let's 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 talk about this one. Let's hear your story, and then I think we can dovetail into how that helped craft your mission or one of your your most important missions in life. What's your story? You know, what happened with you and your father? Um, explain that relationship and how it how it defined on a good and a bad um, scale for your wife and, and your children. What happened there?
1: So when I was 11 years old, my dad committed suicide. And was there in Euless Texas, actually. And as a result of that, I kind of I was mad at God and I was mad at my old man. You know, I was mad at my dad for leaving me, for abandoning me, and I was mad at God for allowing him to do it. And so for about 30 years, I just, I bought into everything that the world says you need to be as a man. You know, the success, the money, the power, all of that, because I didn't have that dad there walking alongside me, showing me and telling me different. And so I was that life of the party guy looking for affirmation from anybody, anywhere. You know, that was my way. Uh, of just craving that affirmation and I so desperately wanted it and I wasn't getting it from a dad. So you know I, I'd become a social alcoholic, um, was traveling the country with an unlimited expense account, and I was that guy that would walk in a bar and you know buy the round of, of drinks for the bar uh, because I, I didn't have limits on my the expenses I could spend. And, and again, I needed that attention, right? Uh, I was the guy that would close one bar down and say, well, hey, where's the next bar? Is it open till four? And I'd I'd catch a cab or a ride with somebody or whomever to go to the next bar. And so I was just, I I was doing everything I could to medicate this pain that I had that at the time I didn't know what it was. And so a few years ago, actually about, about nine years ago, I had a friend of mine and we were out playing golf and I was just sharing with him some of the struggles I was going through and he turned to me at one point and said, you grew up without a dad, didn't you? And I said, yeah. But I went on to give him this amazing explanation about how my mom is. She is an angel on this earth to this day. I'm a mama's boy, and I don't have any shame in it, minute. <laughs> so, uh, But after I got through talking and explaining how amazing my mom was, he turned to me and he said, but was she a dad? And that was the piece that got me. I'd never been asked that, that question before. And so for the next couple of years, I kind of still lived in denial. I thought, man, I'm going to suck it up, man up, and I'll figure this thing out on my own. Well, it didn't work too well, you know, trying to do it on my own. So finally, on February 20th of 2009, uh, God just really took me to this place of brokenness. Uh, It was a place he had to take me to get my attention. And finally, I just I surrendered. I said, okay, I'm all in. I got to look at this father wound thing and the abandonment. My father wound was abandonment uh and so i needed to dive into that and figure it out and and that's when god started this crazy journey of of uh just showing me things, revealing things to me and in one of those sessions uh, with a counselor i found forgiveness for my dad and that's what radically changed my life wow
0: um how did so as you were going through this um discovery phase right um how was it affecting your marriage um or or had you met your wife after um, you kind of came to the realization that you needed to forgive your father? How, how did, was it before or after that you and your wife were married?
1: No, me and my wife had been married about 14 years to that point. And oh. she, we were having trouble, marital problems in the sense that it was all me, right? It was all my issues. I wasn't the father that I needed to be. I wasn't the husband I needed to be. Uh, in all of that, she knew there was a struggle. She saw it in me. Uh, and so when I finally, you know, just surrendered to that to that issue and said, OK, God, I'm all in, you know, do your thing and and show me the way it was then that she saw just the incredible life changing power of God's forgiveness. Because it for me, it literally was it was that instant forgiveness of what God showed me for my father that mm-hmm. then created and opened up this whole nother life that I never imagined I could have.
0: Wow. Um, how many kids, how, 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 were your children at that time, um, uh, had all of them been born at, at that point or, or, or not? And, and I, I guess more importantly, how was it affecting before you found forgiveness for your dad? How were you as a father to your children that you see, was it good or bad? Kind of
1: explain that to the audience. Sure. So my issues really were impacting every aspect of my life. Uh, The anger, and and I see this in a lot of men, it's an anger. We Mm -hmm. don't even know why we're angry, right? It's just, we're just angry because either we're not fulfilling the role of a father or a husband that we believe we should be. We're not fulfilling that role because of what the world's saying we should do or be. And so for me, it was really my lashing out of anger at times that were very, uh very obvious to both my kids and my wife. Uh, f- now fortunately, my oldest two uh, were still young enough to really not be as impacted as they could have been if they were older. They you know, we have conversations even to this day and they don't really remember the bad me, you know the the jacked up dude that that I was that because ultimately I, I always thought I was being a pretty good father, but I could be so much better of a, of a husband because i knew that that i just wasn't really giving the effort there that i needed to but it was all about still being the best dad i could be
0: wow all right so so if you had it to do over again what is your and and i hate saying what is your biggest regret because i don't want to you're you're now walking in the fulfillment of your destiny as a father sure but if you could rewind it, what was the one, the, the biggest thing that you said, you know what, I wish I could have done that one thing over again as the father to my daughters? What is that one thing that you're just like, man, you know, whether it was this one night or was it was an overall um, way of being, what's that one thing that you just said, man, you know what, I regret that? What What is that?
1: You know, I, in, in talking with my wife, I had asked her at one point after I'd found forgiveness and really started this this journey of this transformation, I said, what's what's the biggest regret that you have? And she turned to me and she said, you know, the biggest regret I have is that the John Finch I know today is not the John Finch I had for the first 14 years of our marriage. Wow. And, and it was a bittersweet time, but a very proud moment at the same time in the sense that I I, I finally got it. There's hmm. a lot of people that never do. The one thing I wished I would have learned and gotten so much earlier is that forgiveness. I wished I would have forgiven my dad so much earlier in my life. You know, one of the things that we try to do right now is trying to get the message into colleges, because I believe that college student, there's so many that go off, get away from dad and mom, but, but dad specifically, and they start doing their thing. And they're suffering from a wound and they're acting out, and, and the wound is playing out in so many different aspects of their life. So, I think if I would have heard this message about forgiveness, maybe then that it may have taken me down a different path and really, uh, you know, would have not let me live the crazy struggle that I did. And it may have taken me in a different direction that uh, I would have found that healing and, and, and really had the life that God. Created me to have a lot earlier than than I did.
0: Wow, um, I think that that's that's such a big statement when um, it, it it causes me to really think. When your wife says, "I wish we had the John that's here now over the one over the one." I'm sorry, that's my my wife calling. That's my special ring for her. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I mean, turn that that that, uh, turn that off. But it's just, um, I think it's pretty profound when she says for 14 years, I, I, I wish we had this guy that I know now. Um, to any brother, any father, you know, in the brotherhood of being a father, I'm, I'm looking at you right now. Look me in my eyes through this video and hear me and John say this. Don't waste another minute on unforgiveness in your heart for either a father that did not have the capacity to be a dad or had the capacity but chose to bow out or chose to just not take up his responsibilities, forgive them. Why, if you have children, your work, your, your relationships in life will continue to be impacted until you forgive. And I think, John, the, the golden thread that I'm seeing through the tapestry that I'm seeing through your conversation is forgiveness, forgiveness.
1: It is, you know, the the connecting the dots and what God was doing in my life. It, the, the bottom line is this, you know, we can't give what we don't, don't have. And for so many dads that whether abandoning their kids physically, emotionally, in whatever way, you know, In most cases, their father probably did the same thing to them and their grandfather probably did the same thing to them. So it's been carried down through generations. And so for us to understand, for me to understand that my dad, you know, his his mom had been married five times. They dropped him off in the middle of New Orleans when he was 16 years old and just said, adios, have a good life. He was raised up to that point, mostly by his grandmother. So as I began to hear more and more of these stories and and how God was leading me through the process, I got to a point where I, I really did understand how could I be so bitter, resentful, or angry towards a man who didn't know how to be a father. He didn't have it in him. He didn't know how. Again, you know, we can't give what we don't have, what we don't know. And so that compassion piece for what God showed me and my dad. That's ultimately what made me then find the forgiveness for him.
0: Wow. So let's touch on that. Right. And I think that's what's hard to sometimes reconcile. And it, and it takes it takes, I think, Jesus Christ, forgiveness. Um, but some people, they don't have the capacity. They just they don't have the capacity to operate in a certain area. Why? They didn't get the training. And or there's that generational history where there's 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 a there's not a model. And again, John, that's why me and you were here out here, you know, singing from the mountaintops and writing books and talking about this, because there can't be an excuse if you have access to social media. And, John, correct me if I'm wrong, and I think you would agree. If you're a father out there and you're not doing your job. There's something on the inside of you that is telling you you're not doing your job. Run a search on the internet on how to be a good father. It's out there. Me and John aren't the only ones talking about it. There's no excuse for it right now. Is it hard being a father? Absolutely. You might not have had generations of good fathers before you, but it's not an excuse for... You not doing your job or trying to be the best you can be. So I think, John, I love what you said. You might not have the capacity, but you definitely can learn to to, to figure out what it means to be a dad. So um, let, let's touch on this. When was the father effect, or when was your mission um, created? What brought it about? Why did you say, you know what? I've got to I've got to share my story so somebody doesn't have to go through what I've went through.
1: It was uh, 2010. We started the, the nonprofit. And, you know, what was very became very apparent to me was everyone that I began to share my story with didn't matter. And you said it at the beginning, doesn't matter, black, white, Hispanic, doesn't matter, low income, high income, wealthy, poverty, whatever. It's an epidemic across the world throughout every culture and the the realization that as i began to share my story everyone was telling me a story back oh yeah man you know what my dad and so i mean literally everyone i talked to had some kind of story about their dad and unfortunately most of them weren't necessarily the best they weren't in the most positive light and so it was man the the the, the motivation that the stories i was hearing other people needed to hear you know, as we began sh- doing the movie, I interviewed over over 80 people and God just opened the door to, to John Eldridge, the best selling author of Wild at Heart and Dr. Meg Meeker and all these yeah. people and a lot of just ordinary folks that had extraordinary stories about forgiveness, about ultimately how they did forgive their dad. And so, you know, that became my desire. It's like the stories I was hearing, I knew they needed to get out and that other dads needed to know they weren't alone. They weren't the only ones going through it. And we all struggle. Man, I wounded my kids and I screw up all the time. None of us are perfect. Wow. And so wow. in that, we all have to realize, you know what? Let's come together as a brotherhood mm. of fathers and let's figure this thing out together. Man, there's nothing better than being in a room full of men who can share openly and honestly mm. and authentically about yeah. the things we go through, You know, whether it's alcoholism or pornography or whatever it is we're struggling with you will be amazed at the number of other men that are struggling with the same stuff too.
0: Man. So tell us about that story. You said you've interviewed over, you said 80 people and I'm pretty sure this is, this is not some one or two minute interview. I mean, you can't talk about the lack of a father in your life and it just be a one minute conversation. So the fact that you've interviewed 80 people, that's volumes and volumes of content. So how, what have they taught you? And I would assume that, you, again, you're noticing that the, the tapestry, the golden thread is forgiveness. And I love Meg Meeker. She's amazing. I saw that she- Really good. Did she write the foreword? I'm trying to remember on your book. She had- She, did. Did she, she did. Yeah. Yeah, so any of you Meg Meeker fans out there, um, she's endorsed John in his book. I love Meg Meeker. Um, 80, 80 people, I would assume 30 to 40 minutes, uh, at least an hour. Cause it's just a very deep conversation. What did you, what did you learn? Um, is there a difference between a father being in a young lady's life versus a father being in a man's life? Did you notice any big gotchas out there? There's,
1: you know, there's similarities in both. Um, okay. there's a the father one that can play it out in very similar ways, just in the acting out. If a dad's not around, if they've been abandoned, the kids are going to act out in some way for attention. A lot of them will get in trouble, bullying. I mean, all those things can come as as a result of not having a father around. With girls specifically, they are in a lot of cases going to become promiscuous because here's what happens. If they don't get a fatherly love from a dad, an engaged, involved dad, they're going to go look for it somewhere. You know, so it's about teaching dads how to love on their daughters, how to encourage them, how to support them, to teach them to say, I love you, not just try to show it, but teach them to say it. I too, because so many guys I run into, you know, well, I didn't say it because my dad never told me. I think they know I love them. No, you have to say the words, the power of those words to say, I love you, I believe in you, I'm proud of you, to walk them through. Our own struggles, you know, to let them see that the authenticity of of the struggles that we've been through it, it draws them closer in that sense. So the biggest thing with girls, though, is that promiscuity. They're going to go find love and affection somewhere, and in most cases, it's through sex and it's through the affection of another boy. And and you know as well as I do what most young men are after nowadays, right? The it's it's unfortunate, but I see it with my I've got a middle middle school or a girl in high school that uh, you know, all the high school athletes and all the things that she's going through uh, with boys, they're going to, in a lot of cases i mentioned, act out. If they're not getting that attention from dad, the affirmation that says you're a good son, you're doing a great job. I'm proud of you. They're going to act out in some way, some form or fashion. A lot of times it's, they're going to go join a gang because they feel like family. They're getting some kind of affirmation there, right? or they're going to go get into criminal activity, or they're gonna become that bully. You know, there's so many different ways it can play out. So there's similarities in both, but there's also some differences specific to boys wow. and girls.
0: Wow, um, I think, and, and, and you're so right. Um, and I'm putting these little, these little nuggets, right? Um, girls without a father are more often than not promiscuous. It's absolutely spot on. And I like what you said. Men without a father, or that grew up without a, a really strong father figure, they act out for attention. And, and and here and it's and it's, I say it in 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 I guess just to add some levity to the conversation. You know, I'm a big uh, WWE fan, big wrestling fan, right? Ric Flair. I grew up watching Ric Flair, and they had an E60. Um, I believe it was an E60 or outside the lines on Ric Flair and he talked about his upbringing and how he was adopted and he said once he kind of came to the realization he was an adult and i'm not and i'm talking about after you know the career he realized that not having a father a real father in his life caused him to act out and that's what he saw a lot of he <clears throat> he acted out quite a bit and, and, and I'm glad you're saying that because I have a daughter, right? She's 25. I knew that if I did not do what I needed to do in her life in terms of telling her I loved her, showing her, spending time with her, that she was going to fall into that that promiscuous trap. Why? Because she was going to be looking for attention from somebody. And that's how she was going to fill that void was being promiscuous. I see it. And, and boys at that age 16 17 18 on up it's like a uh it's it's a scent it's a it's a <clears throat> that you can you get when you see that a woman has not ha, ha, doesn't have that that good self um, awareness um, they lack confidence self-worth and that's what most of the dogs out there right the guys that mean these women no good that's but again i say also in the same respect A good father will also teach a son. That's not how you treat a woman. And if you find a woman that is in that position, son, that's why I'm teaching my son now. Hey, buddy, look, you're here to protect women. You're here to honor them. I tell my son, and he doesn't know what I'm saying because he's only six, but I speak it over him all the time. I said, you're here to protect your mom. And I said, there's other women out there in this world, son, that you're going to encounter that you... It is your right and your duty to protect them. I'm not saying that they're weaker, but you're a man, and I want you to always honor women. Women, and and there will. I want to extinguish this whole Me Too movement. I want to extinguish it, John. And and most of this is again by men. And I know that some of these men have great have had great fathers. So we can't always blame the history on the actions that are being taken out now. But I will say this more often than not, there's there's a pattern, right? There's there's a genesis to it all. And I'm I'm really glad that you said that. Sons, we act out. We want attention. I can always trace back to a, a I'm always looking at now. I wonder what his father's like. When I see a sports figure acting out, and I know you probably do Duke John. You probably do the same thing now, John. I, I do it, and, and I'm like, you, gotta, you know. I look at and, I, and, and um, I have a good friend of mine. Uh, me and Vince, um, he's like one of my son's godfathers. Me and Vince always talk about sports figures, and when we see them acting out, we immediately don't go to anything else other than let's 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 Google his father and his relationship. Let's see if anything comes out because you can always trace it back to that if there is an issue. So that being said, you know. Expound on that a little bit more, John, right? Sure. The girls so, play school acting out,
1: yes. So, and, and so that you understand one of the huge lessons that I learned. in before my transformation, if you will, I have was kind of the do-nothing dad. You know, I expected that I'm out there making the money. My wife is supposed to do everything else at home. And, you know, that we get this, this myth that we believe that we're only supposed to support provide financially but in no other area of our of our life right with our family so what i came to understand was the importance of modeling you know for my girls i'm setting the standard by which they're going to measure every other man husband and father right and as boys we're setting that standard by which they're going to measure every uh, themselves as a man husband and father correct and so what I do now and the way I love on my wife, and I do it intentionally and purposefully as Uh-oh. often as I can, every morning I try to hug and kiss on her in front of my kids before we go to school. Wow. And then every night the same thing. So for me it's, it's about intentionally. And and again, are there days I miss it and I blow it and I screw up? Absolutely. <laughs> All the time. But it's about, you know what, saying, okay, I messed up, I failed, whatever. I got to get right back up, get back on the horse, and I got to keep moving. But it, it's it's modeling that real love. That's one less thing that when our kids walk out the door, that's one less thing they got to be concerned about, whether mom and dad love one another. And so I want my girls to have that standard set so high that they're going to see what a real man looks like, what a real man is modeling. And, and how he loves a wife, how he loves a woman, because that's where they get it. If you're not giving them that example, they're going to look to the world somewhere for it. And you don't want them look into the world because there's a lot of dogs out there and they're not setting the best examples of what a real man is.
0: You got it. Oh, I, I, I love it. I love it, John. Um, you said something that and it's a word that I, I really enjoy hearing because intentionality is is all about it? Not it. It becoming to the point where um, I, I don't believe I love habits, but habits are only created through intention. And I really enjoy what you said because that's something that I have to work on constantly. And I miss it. I miss it a lot. My wife lets me know that, right? I I need to. Good for her. <laughs> I, I, oh, she does. She 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 is. And it's a welcome, she is my biggest supporter and I want her to be my biggest critic. Now she supports me, I'm her hero, she props me up. Um, but in the same breath, she really does share with me, Marcus, my love tank is a little low. You haven't been giving me any 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 affection here, you know. And I have to, I'm constantly like, babe, oh, yeah, I, I missed it today, babe, I'm sorry. But I, I really like what you said in front of the kids. In front of the kids, you're showing affection. I think that is another key critical point um, I try to make sure I'm modeling when I tell my son open up the door for your grandmother and your and your, and, and your mom. He needs to see me doing that. You know that whole do is I, I say not as I do garbage. I, I can't stand that. That's not real. So I, I'm just really excited when I heard you say you have to be intentional. Um, tell us a little bit about, the, about what, what came first. Was it the, the documentary, the vision for the documentaries, uh, the, the, the videos, or was it the book? Which one came first?
1: So this, you know, God's got a sense of humor, man, because uh, most people do a book first, then do a, a movie, right? Well, we did the documentary first and then got the book deal. Uh, so it was really in, you know, for me trying to get the message out. I knew I'm, I'm a visual guy. I think most men aren't, they'd rather watch a movie than read a book. Right. I think most guys are that way. So I thought, yeah. let's, let's do a movie. Now I had no background in film or anything and God just kind of opened the door and, and I learned a ton. I made a lot of mistakes, but I learned a ton and, and it really came together. Well, we've, We've been very, very blessed, and the response has been really, really, just, just tremendous. And and it's just the story. It's the story that I, that I shared with you earlier, and how I found forgiveness, what I've learned along the journey about things, how I can be a better dad, and how I can ask forgiveness for my kids when I when I lose it or when I mess up, and the importance of all of those things that come along the practical advice, if you will. And so sure, uh, sure. we did the movie, got the book deal and, and the books, we've got. A, we've had a really, really gr- good response from the book. And we were very, very fortunate to have Dr. Meeker write the forward and, and have some others there endorse it for us. And um, it's, it's, it's been a really heck of a ride and continues to be a great journey.
0: Sure, so, so tell us this, John, um, as I'm trying to tell everybody right now, share the broadcast, like it, comment. Taria, a um, good friend of mine, she said something that I thought was very key, and I wanted to bring it back up into the comment area. Um, here, here it is. This is the one. She says, I want to touch on this. Being a good father also entails being a good husband. I think society now separates the two, but they go hand in hand. Wow. Powerful statement and you can't be one without the other. Now, John, let's take it into the whole blended family, the fractured family now. You still, if you're not married to your children's mother, you still need to show her respect and honor because why? Your children are watching. So let's touch on that, John, because you're right. I do, Taria makes a really, really valid point that you can't have one without the other and society really does try to separate the two. Oh, I can be a great husband, but I'm a deadbeat dad. That doesn't work for me. I know it doesn't work for you, John, and it doesn't work for the average mother, uh, I'm pretty
1: sure, Um, So, um, or any mother for that that matter. Can you touch on that real quick? Sure, so we interviewed two counselors, uh, guys that have been counseling couples, individuals for many, many years. And I asked him the question, what is the best thing a father can do for his children? Without hesitation, both of them said, love their mother. See, when, when our kids see the way we love our, their mother, our moms, yes. our aunts, our sisters, the women in our life, they then understand how to love a woman. All of that goes into it because they're paying attention. Don't take it for granted that they're not how you speak to your wife, how you speak to your mom, how you speak to women, how you treat women, they're taking it all in and they're understanding how a man treats a woman by the way you treat all women, even your ex-wife. It doesn't matter the way you're treating women. They're paying attention. And so in those instances where maybe your ex-wife is saying this or ex-husband saying that, you still got to stay the course And and treat her or him in such a way with respect, because ultimately, even if he or she's disrespecting you in front of the kids, the kids are going to see right through that. They're going to see the transparency. They're going to see right through that to the real issue. And they're eventually going to get it that, you know what, in all of those struggles and issues and fights and everything we dealt had to go with, go through, dad still stayed the course. Dad the- loved mom. He didn't dog mom. He didn't trash mom. And so again, he starts trashing mom, trashing all the other stuff. They're going to begin to say, well, you know what? I guess I can trash some women. I could talk bad and treat some women in a bad way. That's the importance yeah. of always treating them the same.
0: Oh, I love I love it, John. This is really good because um, a lot of men do it so subtly, Right. And you can just fall into these very bad habits. And before you know it, you see your son doing certain things. And I always say, I may be pointing the finger at him, but I got four pointing right back at me. And he got that honestly. He learned that from somewhere. And most of the time, when I look at my son, I'm looking at him right now, he's uh, putting together another Lego set right here. I can always say this, he learned it honestly. He doesn't watch, we don't really allow a whole lot of TV watching. But when I see a habit that is not indicative of the character we're building in him, it's on me. I take full responsibility as his father. So I think John, what you're saying is is again, so valuable. Um, Taria, she just chimed in and said, yes. Um, I. I, I Tell us, tell us, um, I think here's one of the ones, um, one of the excerpts that I saw from the video is the young lady that I think she either was into prostitution or she was a stripper. Tell us about that one, the interview, how it unfolded and where she is now. Um, If I don't know if you keep in contact with the people that you've interviewed, but would just love to kind of get a historical perspective of her all the way up to now.
1: You know, that was was one of those interviews that I'll never forget. She was a a former exotic dancer, stripper, and she talked about the impact of her dad not being around and wanting that affection and love because she didn't get it from a father. And when you hear that coming from a, a stripper, an exotic dancer, when you have three daughters at home, you're like, whoa, this, I got to make sure I'm doing my thing, right? And, and hmm. then my girls know I love them. And I'm showing it and telling it. I, I'm, I'm doing all that, right? Uh, but the one thing that really struck me with hers is I asked her how her relationship with her father affected her relationship with God. And it was interesting in the sense that she said, you know, my my dad, was, mom got divorced when I was younger and my my dad kind of moved to another state. So she said, that's kind of the way I view God all the time. I viewed God as, you know, he was kind of there, but he was just over in another place. I would only come to him or call him if I really needed him. Well, that's the way her dad had, had had been all her life. You know, she only really called him if she needed to really talk to him. And so it was one of those scenarios where she just The impact of her father, and the incredible uh, transition, as they call it, of what she believed her earthly father to be and how she believed God to be, it it was it was a powerful impact. So, to help men understand, and that's part of what we're trying to do, one of the many things is to help men understand the way they act toward their kids. They're the first, first conduit of what a father is, and most kids will transfer that that image that characteristic that person to their heavenly father. So if that guy's the overdisciplined military style dad that's angry all the time, they automatically think that God's that way. If he's that distant or aloof father who they just kind of go to when they need him, they'll think God's that way. So it was it was one of the most powerful interviews we did and it really drove home the point to me as a dad that man, I am a reflection of what they believe God to be.
0: Wow. Oh, that is good. That is good. Guys, I just typed that up there. Kids will transfer their view of their father to God, their natural father. If that isn't a wake up call, if that doesn't instill responsibility to any father that is trying to make sure that their son or their daughter has a great relationship with Christ. I don't know what is. And again, John, here's here's what's beautiful for me. I love sobering talks. I love being taken out to the woodshed when I'm talking to um, someone like you because it constantly keeps me in a state of the tune-up. I want to be in. A, I want to have. A, I want to always be in a constant state of. I always need a tune-up. I always need to get sharper, and I always need to remember every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So. Guess what? My son's relationship with Christ is based on how I treat him, how he views me. That is so that is so tremendous. Audience, this is this is key. You have a son, whether he has the father in his life or not, you have to continue to. Oh, so, John, this brings me to my new point, And I'm sorry, I, I just got to touch on this. This this is a great question that I want you to answer. How can a. Mother's unforgiveness for her lack of having a father affect her children. And I know you I saw some of these interviews. How critical is that? How have you seen that play out?
1: Yeah, that you know, I've seen it play out in so many different ways. The one thing is uh, women won't trust a man, trust any man. Doesn't matter who he is. If her father abandoned her, if her father abused her physically, emotionally, in whatever way. Uh, they won't trust men. The other piece of that, and so they're angry all the time, right? Or or they just don't want to have anything to do with men. The other piece of that is if they've been physically abused or they've seen their mom physically abused, experts will tell you and statistics will tell you, most likely they're going to go marry an abuser because it's what's become normal in their life. And as weird as that sounds to some of us, it is the case. So You have a young lady who grew up watching a mom be abused physically and or verbally. Most likely they're going to marry a man just like that man because they somehow they 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 swell back down into that comfort of that normal of what they know life is supposed to be like. And, And it's a jacked up way of of viewing things. And in relationships, it's just the way it is but it's the way that women respond based on their father. And, and as I mentioned earlier, they're going to also be angry at God or not believe in a God, even because of the way their father was and the abuse or, or whatever it is that he, uh, you know, had on them or their mom.
0: Wow. Um, and I think we've seen that more often than not. Would you say that sons who have seen their father abuse their mother? They end up being an abuser or um, they tend to be in abusive relationships themselves, whether it's directed at them or um, they're the ones directing it. So how uh, what's the impact there? Right. So
1: we interviewed I'll give you a prime example. We interviewed a guy named Jose in a, in a jail in Houston. And he said, you know, John, um, I saw from the very early age of about 10 years old, my dad physically and verbally abused my mom. And he said, many a nights I had to walk down to the bar, down the street to drag my dad out of the bar. He was an alcoholic and struggled with drinking. And he said, when I became 16 years old, guess what I started doing? He said, I started drinking heavily. And he said, I started physically and verbally abusing my mom. Because you know what? That's what I saw my dad do. That's what I thought a man was supposed to do and and i share that story and most people go wow that no way whatever but it is it became his normal he didn't know anything else he came and lived in a home that that where his dad was physically and verbally abusing his mom getting drunk all the time so he thought that's what a real man was supposed to be like that's what a real dad a, a real husband whatever that's what his that was his normal and so that's what he did so
0: Wow. Um, So could he say that? And and I mean, it's not he's got to take responsibility for his own actions, John. Right. But can he trace the genesis of why he's in jail to what he saw in his father?
1: You know, he said he said, man, I think if I would have had uh, another man as my dad, one that would have treated my mom differently, wouldn't have had the issues that my dad had. My life would be quite differently. And now I say all that to say this, too. There comes a point in every man's life uh, where we've got to step out of the victim mentality. And, and here's where I loved living in the victim mentality. You see, the, the more I could blame my dad for my behavior and all the craziness that, I, that all the all the things that I did, the easier it made it for me. Cause I was like, man, I've got to medicate this wound. And for me, it was alcohol. I'm going to go get drunk and I'm going to go nuts, right? Every night, every day, whatever. So I love living that victim mentality cause it justified my behavior. But there came that time. And fortunately for me, it was eight years ago where God said, okay, buddy, no more living in the victim mentality. You've got to step up generational thing or not. You've got to step up and say, you know what? this thing no longer happens in my life there's no excuse for it and i'm going to right the wrong i'm going to break the chain of this generational curse and so in so many people's lives that man that woman you've got to step up and be willing to say you know what this stuff's not going to happen any longer and you've got to have the fortitude and and the motivation and the desire to do that because if you don't this generational thing whether it's addiction or whatever it is, whatever the, the, the stuff that you have is, that baggage, it can literally last for hundreds of generations. So what oh we're God. doing today is impacting generations to come, generations that we haven't even met yet, our grandkids, our great grandkids, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's so important for people to understand that, the importance of that, of breaking that generational curse.
0: Man, um, love what you're talking about. Um to so so the book, right? The father effect. So we have the documentaries, and we know that a documentary is there to um, provide those real case scenarios, what happened, what transpired, the why and what that person is doing now as a result of, of those actions, those negative actions. more um, positive. Um, the book, the father effect. Let's talk about that. What was your mission behind writing that book and when because I want to I want people to go out and buy it. So, um that being said, here let's do this. Um quick quick marketing update. John, where can people find the book, the the videos, the documentaries? Where can they go to find that?
1: So, the book and video are available on our website at thefathereffect.com. The best place to get the book is Amazon. <laughs> it's uh, it's the, the cheapest place to get it. It's about $14 uh, on Amazon, and that's almost my cost to buy it from the publisher. So uh, Amazon's the way to go there. Uh, the, the All the movie stuff is done. We've got clips that we've released on YouTube, uh, but you go to the website, thefathereffect.com, and you can get the DVD or the download there.
0: Ah, okay. So we can get... Okay, so from your website, they can download the documentary. Okay, yep. good, 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 good. Um what 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 what, is, what are you working on next, John, and why? So is there another book? Is there are you working on another documentary? What is your nonprofit doing to help um I guess heal the nations, heal the world, and and bring fathers back to a realization of what it really means? What what are you guys doing?
1: So we've got one project called the Prison Impact Project. And what we're trying to do is get books in prisoners' hands. Uh, We've got an opportunity in the state of Indiana to get a book in every prisoner's hands. And they've got about 26,000 inmates, both women and men. And we've got an opportunity to show the movie there as we do events at at each location uh, for the prison. So that's a really, really big opportunity. We'd like to be able to take and spread that throughout the country. Uh, We're kind of starting in the state of Indiana with that opportunity. Uh, We're also getting the movie translated into other languages. I mentioned a while ago, you know, it's it's a global message. And I've interviewed people that travel the world and they say, John, this is an epidemic just as big here as it is in China or Brazil or Africa or whatever it is. So we're trying to get that translated in some other languages and then we're looking at a couple other projects, you know, film projects that we're going to be doing before too long, just don't have any dates yet, and as far as the the actual projects, don't have any names for them yet, but we're looking at a couple of different things. You know, it's one of those deals where we want to make sure that we're doing all the all that we can for this project that we just released late last year uh, before we move on too fast to another one, but that's that's my mentality. I love to keep moving and Keep doing projects, but we've got to do justice to the one we have for now.
0: Outstanding. Um, I'll tell you, out of all your interviews that you've done, out of all the people you've talked to, what is the one that has stuck with you the most? What what was the one person, male or female, where it stuck with you? I mean, it, it really hit you to your core. And what did you do about it? And and what, what what was why did it resonate with you? What was that that one that you you'll never forget, the one interview?
1: So I think I'll have to tell you, you Probably share two. There were there were a few uh, really really powerful ones. The first one was Dr. Meg Meeker, and and I've told this one many a time. She she shared with me as we were doing the interview. She said, "John, you know, she's a pediatrician by trade, so she would have young girls come into her office and she would do their physicals and things of that nature." And she said you know, on more than one occasion, I would have a, a 13 or 14 year old girl come in my office and she was sexually active. And she said, originally it was like 16, then it came to 15, then 14, then 30, it kept getting younger and younger. And she said, I would give them a physical and before they would leave, they would turn and say, Hey, Dr. Meeker, can you give me a prescription? And Dr. Meeker would say, prescription, what for? You're, you're totally fine. And The girl would say, I don't care what it's for, but at the bottom of it, put cannot have sex. And she said, John, what was happening is these girls were having sex at 13, 14 years old. It wasn't physically or emotionally pleasurable, but it was the only affection and attention they were getting. They weren't getting that attention from a father, that fatherly love. And so this was their permission slip to give to Johnny to say, hey, Johnny, I can't have sex anymore. So you know, as a as a man with three daughters, that was just kind of one of those many mm-hmm. wow moments of, whoa, you know, I've got to go back and look back through all this footage because Dr. Minker's really good at what she does. I got to go back and start taking notes and make sure I'm doing what I'm doing. The other one, the other one was Do- was Neil Jeffrey, and Neil Jeffrey was a former NFL quarterback, and he takes all the credit for Dan Fouts. I don't know if you remember. You may be too young, man. downtown quarterback for uh, San Diego Diego Chargers. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Neil was an All-American quarterback at Baylor, and he went on to play for the uh, San Diego Chargers. And he's a very passionate, just encouraging dude, man. I love this guy. And everything he said, I just hung on every word. He loves encouraging and and just loving on men, you know, just speaking into their lives. And so – uh, we were talking in one point, he turned, he talked about his dad being a prayer warrior and how after these games, his dad would say, huddle up, let's pray. And he, didn't want to, but he would, because his dad <laughs> said, let's pray before and after games, Thanksgiving, he, you know, always just praying over his son. And he said, there were times where his dad couldn't be the game and he'd get a handwritten letter that said, Hey son, just want you to know that I mentioned your name to the father this morning, love daddy. And he said, he turned to me at one point, I'll never forget. He said, John, there's nothing like a son or a daughter hear their father pray for them out loud in this manly, fatherly voice. And I remember thinking,
0: wow, that's really good.
1: So I go home that night. I told my wife, I said, okay, prayer time now is changing. I was that guy that I'd lay down with my girls. I'd say this incredible manly prayer about, you know, how just amazing, whatever. I'd be patting myself on the back as I walked out. Right. That night, I started changing. I'd ask my girls, each one of them, hey, what can I pray for you about? And they see that I have a, a very vested interest, and, and I'm really worried and care about what they're worried and, and, and dealing with. And so it not only showed them and, and let them hear that I was taking their prayer to the Father on their behalf, dude, it doesn't get much more powerful than that. And it would lead to the additional conversations. Well, why are you worried about the test? And do the best thing. I love praying for my wife in front of my kids. I love praying how just incredible servant heart that she has. Just how blessed and amazing we are to have her as a mom. Things of that nature, and that and that's been a game changer for me.
0: Man, you know what you just. Um, I think. Man, that's, that's, that's some good stuff, John. That's some really great stuff. You just, um, (laughs) I'm going to be implementing that John. And I don't know why I haven't. Um, I do it every now and then, but even with my six year old and my 25 year old, I need to start asking them, what do you, what do you want daddy to pray for tonight? Um, man, I, I just realized when you said that, I don't do that often enough. Um, I think I know what they want prayer for, but I need to ask them. So that's, uh, and, you, and you mentioned another good point. Pray for my wife, which I do in front of major. Um, I need to make sure I continue to do that. But um, I, man, um, I love what you just said as far as, when you can't even be there as a father, Putting a little note in in your son's backpack, or you know, if they're older, sending a text message, or what I'll do sometimes is if I'm traveling, I'll just uh, record myself because I'll sometimes be a couple hours ahead of my son. And John, what I'll do, and I love this, it it, it it'll you know, and I'm an emotional guy, so it'll bring tears to my eyes, right? So it, it because th- this is what's so cool. I'll send a video of myself saying, "Hey, son, have a great morning. Love you. You're amazing." You know, just speaking positive into his life. You know that I love him, and and um, you know, he's six now. But when he was four, and he would see that, he would think it was me. You know, I'm talking to him live, and I mean, he was in it. He's there, and Crystal <laughs> would, would just, you know, so people don't realize the power of words um, coupled with actions. And I think you're right. You have to take every opportunity, no matter how small you think it is, because Neil just shared something that I think is so key is that he remembers, he remembers his dad doing it, but he remembers when his dad wasn't there, that his dad still tried to be there. That's like huge. That's one thing I remember about my dad, my dad, My dad, um, it blew me away because I never knew this John. My dad was the youngest ever commissioned command sergeant major at the time when he was um, in the uh, reserve. He had retired from the army. He was in the reserve and had been the youngest commissioned command sergeant major ever in the history of the reserves. My dad, the day I called my dad, he was traveling um, it was TDY. You know, he it was summer camp. He had to be somewhere traveling uh, with the army, doing some exercises. The day I called him and he said I was crying about something um, regarding basketball. That was the day that he started preparing his retirement papers. How do you not love a dad? How do you not extend that to how can I not extend that type of commitment to my son? When I see my dad gives up a very successful career um, in the in the reserves, you know, giving up serving his country. And he served his country well. And it wasn't about um, he loves his country. He served well, served in Vietnam. You know, he did all that. But he gave that up. Because he couldn't be there enough in what he felt was the right time when I needed him and said, you know what? I'm good. I didn't know that until about, I think it was this past December, I happened to have him on the show, and he he mentioned, I didn't know, but I do remember this. My dad, from the time that I can remember, never missed a game. If he missed a game, it was because he was traveling with the Army, until he retired, and that's when I remember he was really there. He was there every, he didn't miss a game. He didn't care about his job. I mean, he cared about his job, 44 years retired, but my point is, do you, and I wanna show you a legacy, John. I don't miss my son's games, hardly ever, unless I'm traveling. So John, and and and, and guys, I'm just letting you know, <laughs> if you don't have a father, you still know you need to do right. If you're listening to this interview, I the reason why I'm there for my son is because I had a great role model with my dad and my mom. If you didn't have a good role model, Take what you're learning on today's show with me and John Finch, author of The Father Effect, and use that as a baseline of what you need to do. This is a great model. And I'm just sharing with you that there's no excuse. This is tough talk. You as a man, you have no excuse. If you're hearing good word, good talk from a gentleman like John Finch, gentleman like myself, you have no excuse. Ladies, men, guys out there, I want you to share this broadcast. I want you to go out there and buy the book, The Father Effect. I want you to buy the documentary from John. Just go to thefathereffect.com. Get that information because I'm telling you, it's life changing. And if you are a good father, you are at every game. You still need to be tuned up. You still need to be constantly reinvigorated. You need to be learning some of those gotcha areas. And that's what John's book is gonna do, guys. I'm constantly wanting to get better as a father. I have not arrived. I never will. I will be fathering my son until the day I die, and I want to be the best father I can. Is that right, John? Amen, Amen, brother. John, give us give us some other man. That was that was huge. So Meg Meeker, um, I'm blown away at what Meg Meg Meeker told you. So in in. Listening audience, when, he, when you hear this, I want you to understand the magnitude of what those young girls that are 13 and 14 were saying. They basically were saying, I just want you to put that on the bottom of the bottle. So, you know, guy that I'm having sex with. Maybe I, I, I want the affection, but I don't want the sex. So what they were saying is, you know, I, I like the affection. I just don't want the sex. Can you just write something on the bottom of the of this bottle, this medication? I want you to understand how profoundly sad that is. I am, I have never heard that. That's, and I hear a lot and I listen a lot. And I interview lots of, lots of people. I hear lots of stories. That's the first time I've ever heard that, uh, John, and it, it's sobering. It's sad. Um, I hate to hear that.
1: I, you know, one of the other ladies we interviewed and this is to drive the point home. Um, and, and we interviewed a handful of ladies that, that had similar stories. You know, one of the things that stuck out to me when I asked her about how, you know, her relationship was with men, um, she said, you know, I had sex to be loved. So so in order to be loved, just to feel loved, she would have sex. And I think that's what a lot lot of women are struggling with. They just want love. They don't necessarily want the sex. They just want to be loved and they want the emotional piece of everything that goes with that. And so, you know, again, when a daughter doesn't get that emotionally and and physically and the affection, the proper fatherly affection and love that that every daughter should get when she doesn't get it, there's a desire. There's a desire to have that. And if you're not filling that void, that hole, she's going to go get it filled somewhere. And so it's so, so important for us as men. And you said it. You know, there's really no excuse Uh, with all the tools that we have nowadays, with podcasts, with video, with all the different things that we have. That's a lot of the way I've learned. I've read books. I'm talking to other men. That's the biggest piece. (laughs) If we can put down the pride stuff and go talk to our guys, our brothers and say, man, look, here's what I'm struggling with. How can I do better at this? What's your experience? What's your advice? Give me some wisdom. For us to be able to have that real band of brothers, that's really what it's all about. It's about being able to do life and community with other guys and doing it real, authentically and transparently and admitting our mistakes. And, man, where we're screw-ups and and what we do wrong and all of our junk, man, because I guarantee you we get beyond that as men, man, we're going to have an incredibly strong community where you get a group of men that can come together and have real conversation about all that and, and help each other out. That's what it's all about ultimately.
0: That's what it's all about brother. Oh, I love it. I love it. And you see, you see the little guy right here. This is, this is major. Major say hello to Mr. Finch. Hello, Mr. Finch. What's up, yeah. Major? <laughs> he, he's, uh, and, and this is why I, I let him be, be part of the show because this is the only reason I'm here. I'm the blended family guy because I'm trying to blend how to do this, still be a father, always make him feel that, you know what, whatever I'm doing, I do it for him. I'm doing it for him. He's part of the equation. So um, he just, whenever he wants, I feel like he wants to come in and just be on the show. See, he's good now. He's good. So um, he's made his appearance. So he's, he's fine now. I just want you to know, John, that um, your work is, is so necessary. I can't wait to do some more projects with you Um, and whatever, we can do to help. Let us know. Hey, and Amber, I hear Amber. Um, Amber's out there saying she she says she loves to hear her husband pray. Amber's one of uh, one of the the Facebook uh, family friends, the blended family guy friend. She's from Albuquerque, New Mexico. She has a great husband uh, and Brian Dennison, good um, friend of mine as well. And I I think it's uh, I think it's so key, John, for us to continue to push the envelope. And even though uh, that that prison project is so huge, it's so huge, so commendable. I pray that you get all of the grant money you can get so those prison systems can buy the book um, for those inmates, because some of them, we know that part of it is they they haven't reconciled that forgiveness and they're lashing out, lashing out, which has caused them to be in prison. And, And I think John, John, let me ask you this. And this is a this is a, a possibly a very controversial question. Would you say that the role of a father is more important than that of a mother or vice versa? Or are you gonna take the easy way out, John, and say they're both <laughs> equal? <laughs> yeah, is your wife standing by? You know, okay. yeah, go ahead, go ahead.
1: You know, I, wow, as a father, I, I truly believe that I have an impact that's so powerful um, from a father's perspective in my daughter's life that that is generational. That, again, it goes back to I'm setting the standard by which most likely they're going to marry a man based on what they see me as and my relationship with them. Uh, so from a futuristic standpoint, I guess you would say. Uh, I have a huge, huge impact in that. My wife has an impact in the sense of, of what it looks like to be a godly woman, yeah. uh, what that looks like and, and the way a godly woman believes and behaves and, and does all the amazing things that she does, the way she uh, is courageous and encouraging and just a, an incredible example of strength and, and, and all the things that she does. So, you know, I think we both have an incredibly, I, I would say everlasting impact because again, what it is that we're doing as parents is going to trickle down through generations. So some of the things that I'm saying today, and you've heard this before, what did your dad used to say or mom used to say that you'll never forget. And that gets tra- passed down through generation, right? What did they do? All of those things, so we're impacting our kids in every way. In times we don't even imagine, and that's the thing. Ultimately, man, it's it's walking in that daily awareness of waking up every morning, going, "What am I going to do today that's going to positively impact my kids?" And and again, I mess up all the time, but it's I can go to my kids and have those conversations, ask for forgiveness, and say, "Man, I am so sorry. Will you forgive me?" And, and in that It's really helped my relationship with my girls because they understand and know dad's not perfect, but I'm doing the best I can. And they understand they don't have to be perfect. Right. So there's not some some crazy benchmark or or expectation level would they have to meet that they'll never be able to meet. So uh, for for both, I, I really do. I mean, me personally, you know, I think I have an incredible impact on my daughters not to sound egotistical just as a father, not me personally, but as a father, my impact is, is an impact that is going to last for generations. Uh, and, and a lot, again, of the same as my wife, but but I think I do have an opportunity to, uh, to impact them in a way that my wife doesn't.
0: You, you know, it's just, again, so profound what you're saying. Um, but what you're saying is, I think it's it's so necessary, but it's so hard for people to implement, John, um, because of unforgiveness. I'm going to ask you, John, how do you go about, what was your process for forgiveness? What did you do? When did you, did you finally have to hit rock bottom? Was it that conversation you were having with your, your buddy, I think out on the golf course? What, what made you say, you know what? I got to forgive my dad or I'm going to be stuck in this rut for the rest of my life. And, you know, I got to do better. What, what was it?
1: You know, I, I think for most men and just like for me, I had this anger, but I didn't know where it was coming from, or what it was a result of. And so this when this father was first introduced to me, I remember walking away from the golf course thinking, dude, that's me. That's what I have. That, that's the disease that I've been struggling with, right? And so it was this revelation that, oh, okay, finally there's a name for it. And if there's a name for it, I can find a cure, right? But up until that point, I just thought I had some disease that nobody could cure. No doctor had a name for it or anything else. So it was that step and, and kind of walking through that, but then it was that rock bottom moment of God really slapping me outside the head and saying you knucklehead you 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 got to you know you got to pay attention here to what I'm trying to show you and then it was really after I started that journey I started having these conversations with my mom hey what was dad like hey what what was dad's favorite thing when he was young you know what was dad's favorite food food I think all of us have this innate curiosity to know what her dad was really like, right? What was his friends like? What did his friends think about him? All these different things. And so everybody, I mean, even today you have these young women and men who don't know who their biological father are. And at some point they get, maybe it's teenage years or in their twenties or thirties or whatever. At some point they go looking for him. That's the power of that father, right? They want to know, man, what was my dad really like? What did he look like? I mean, all these different things. So so for me, it was, it was the unforgiveness of understanding that this wow. anger and generational thing, unless I was willing to step up and make a change and get rid of this baggage of unforgiveness that I'd been carrying most of my life, the bitterness, the anger, the resentment, all of those things, I came to the realization that I had to find healing. Otherwise, m- my life was going to be in a destructive pattern. And it was something again that could just be handed down from from generation to generation, and i didn 't want that for my kids i didn't want that for my wife I, I wanted to to have and be that that person that God created me to be, not this other person that I was trying to create me to be right uh, And because I had lived life for myself for way too long and 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 that wasn 't working for me
0: wow so um I think um Wow. Here, hold on right here, son, because I got to I got to type some things for um, Mr. John so people can find out where to find him. John, um, I think on Twitter it's it's uh, at John Finch, right? Or or what would you rather have them follow at uh, Father Effect or? Yeah,
1: the Father Effect would be good at the Father Effect.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and on YouTube, YouTube, what is that? I want to write that to YouTube is what?
1: The father effect on YouTube also. Yep.
0: Right. Let, guys, so I, listening audience, viewing audience, I want you to go out there, follow the father effect, share it because I guarantee you, John, what are the statistics? And you might, you might have statistics. Um, what is the percentage of, families or or people what give us some statistics out there on fathers not being present and the effect it has like you know Mm -hmm. is there a direct correlation between a person not having a father and a person being in prison or promiscuity
1: yeah absolutely and we have some of those actually on our uh on our website on the front page you look at just a few um and a lot of these i don't have Memorize, but if you look at, you know, it says there, there's about 25 million, P, uh, million children in the U.S. who are growing up fatherless. And wow. so 90% of those, all homeless or runaway children are fatherless. 90% of all homeless or runaway children are fatherless. 70% wow. struggle with uh, substance abuse are coming from fatherless homes. If you look at the prison inmates. Uh, issue. I mean, it, it's crazy. The it says 70% of adolescents in juvenile correction facilities come from fatherless homes, 80%, wow. 80% of all adolescents in psychi- psychiatric hospitals come from fatherless homes, 60% of rapists were raised in a fatherless home, and 70% of teen pregnancies come from fatherless homes.
0: Jesus. So
1: it you know, wow. I say with the prison inmate thing in particular, my own experience, we, we did interviews in Indiana and in Houston with, with prisoners. And I had a chaplain tell me one time, he said, Johnny said, you know, you say in your movie, nine out of 10 people have a father wound. And John Eldridge would argue with that. He'd say everybody has a father wound. But the study we were quoting was was one that had been done. And, and it said nine out of 10. And he said in prison. Male or female, it's twelve out of ten. He said every single person in prison has some type of father one, and that's why they're here.
0: Jesus, John, can you do this for me? Because I type about one hundred and twenty words a minute, but I couldn't get all of all of uh, all of those statistics, which I think are staggering. Um, can put push those to Twitter. Um, those statistics you just—I think it was about six of them. Can you post those to Twitter? Because my my team, when you post them to Twitter or if you send them to me, um, if you could post to Twitter and also send to me, I want to repost those under this particular um, Facebook live, because I think that's that's so tremendously valuable, eye opening and sobering for people out there, because they got to start understanding why they're in the position they're in the self-reflection as well as um, those family members those sons, those daughters trying to understand, okay, this is why my dad's in prison or or this has contributed to it. Right. It's sure. not absolving people of their responsibilities or, or, you know, the consequences, but this is part of the reason why, man, those are John, please send those to me, Facebook family. I will get those statistics posted. I think that is, um, Essential to understanding a subject, you have to really understand the the ratios, the statistics, but I want you to know this, Facebook family, you don't have to become part of that statistic, you can stop it now, the resources are there, the father effect is out there, the video, the book, the documentaries, there is way too much information out there that is relevant in helping you overcome, either you overcome and forgive, or helping um, that father um, to to understand their rationale to to get some insight you got you can do it. Me and John are praying that you do it because there's a world of children that are not just three or four or five years old. There are some people out there that are sixty and seventy years old still self medicating in a negative way because they have not forgiven their father and their father is dead and gone.
1: Uh, I'll share you stay- the story. Go ahead, John. A story with you. We interviewed uh, uh, a man who was 84 years old, and he had happened to be at a church that I had spoken at on, on a Sunday. And, and I got an email from him on a Monday morning. He said, "Man, God's really working on me, and He's really done some amazing things in my life." He said, "Last night I laid down, and he was 84 years old, and he said, John, for the first time, he says, I asked God to forgive me." because of the anger and bitterness and resentment I had toward my dad. And then he said, I asked my dad to forgive me. And he said, for the first time in my life, I'm 84 years old. For the first time in my life, he goes, I truly went to bed at peace. So the Jeez. message of that is it's never too late. You know, what? Wow. doesn't matter how old you are, how old your son is. If you need to ask forgiveness for your son, it doesn't matter if he's one or, or 80 You know, and and the same goes for for a person that needs to forgive their father. Doesn't matter how old they are, how old you are. It's never too late. And, you know, I asked I was asked late recently about, you know, what's easiest? Is it easier to to deal with a father wound of a dad who's still alive or a dad who's gone? And, And I'll be honest, I told them. You know what? For me, there's closure. I was able to forgive my father and he's he's passed. He's gone. I think the tougher thing is to be trying to deal with a father wound and the forgiveness of a dad who's still there because it's a daily reminder of the wound. But that's also why it's so much more important to find forgiveness, because you won't have that daily reminder. So it's 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 you know, I think all of us want to be great dads. For so many of us, we just don't know how. Right. Because we weren't taught, we had bad examples or, or didn't have a dad, right? Uh, so it, it's important for us all to understand the significance about forgiveness and the significant and lifelong impact we have upon our kids as a result of that forgiveness.
0: Wow, John, um, great story. Um, Jesus. I think, again, it's just for me, it's eye opening. Um that I need to continue to push the envelope with my son, with my 25 year old daughter in being the best father I can be. And again, I call these types of uh, sessions. I'm listening to a giant in the industry on being a
1: father,
0: right, and uh, you're continuing to learn uh, yourself and I appreciate your transparency. Um, The blended family group, I know that they appreciate, it. I can tell by all the commentary, uh, behind this, John, this has been, this has been, um, awesome. Thank you for your time. I know we're, we're going on a uh, 90 minutes. Um, this is probably the longest Facebook live I've done, John, but it is so necessary. Thank you. Please tell your wife, thank you for sharing <laughs> yourself with us. Right. Um, Hey, thank and, you,
1: uh, dude, dude. Thank you for the opportunity. And, and, I'm just a normal dude doing the best I can brother. It's, it's what it's all about. You know, I mess up and continue to, to just forge ahead. I'll tell you real quick. I learned even today walking out of church, my middle daughter pointed out how a man she saw was opening the, the, the door for his wife. And it reminded me, you know what? I got to start doing that more. I got to start really focusing and being intentional along those lines. Right. So like you said, It's man. We all got stuff to learn. We'll never be at at a point in our life where we can say we know it all. Because as fathers, we're it's it's constant journey. It's you know it's not about that that uh, perfection. It's about progress, right? Uh, Oh, I
0: love it. I love it. Here, let me let me put that one up, and then we gotta go. As a father, let me put that up there. It's not. Got to put that one up there. It's about progress. Wow. I love it i love it all right john you'll get credit for that quote when i put it up uh when i when i make the t-shirt and the button and the (laughs) pin
1: i want my royalties
0: (laughs) (laughs) you'll get your royalties john i better tell you man this has been um an incredible incredible time uh with you we're gonna have you on again john um when it's that next book that next uh uh um documentary whatever you have know that you'll always have access to um, my viewing audience they love stuff like this this has been this has just been um amazing i really appreciate it and john i'll tell you what next time i'm up in dallas and i have time i'm taking you to water burger all right we're gonna go get some water burger all right let's do now, it man. Now, my mother-in-law, she's from North Carolina. She heard she heard Waterburger. She likes the chicken strip meal. I I I can't tell. I can't I can't do Waterburger and not and not say that she likes the barbecue chicken strip meal. But I'm just letting you know she heard that and she said, "Oh, okay, you're you're good in her book now for real because you're Waterburger. You're a Waterburger you guy."
1: Go. Hey, thank yeah. you, brother. Appreciate you, man.
0: Hey, this has been great, Facebook family, um, YouTube, SoundCloud, uh, iTunes. Just want you to know, you can find John, his book on Amazon, The Father Effect. YouTube, The Father Effect. On Twitter, at The Father Effect. So I'm telling you, great stuff. Share this broadcast. If you're listening now, share the broadcast. I know this is gonna help. It is. It helped me, so I know it can help you. John, thank you so much. Facebook family, I love you guys. This is the blended family guy. You know where to find me, YouTube, Instagram, the blended family guy, strong blend, the blended family playbook. Thank you so much, John. Have a great week. Blended family. Have a great week. Make it amazing. Love on your kids. Love on your spouses. Love on your significant others. And just be intentional about it. John, you're the man. I'll talk to you soon. Love you guys. All right. See you next week. Thank you, man. All right. You take care.